Only 30% of Americans have a long-term financial plan. The average U.S. household's medium income was $78,500 in 2020. How much money has the average 30-year-old saved? Think about it. How much money has the average 30-year-old saved? The median bank account balance for this age group is just $3,240. And the median net worth, assets minus liabilities, is $14,000. Yikes. Now let's see how others save and what we can learn from them. Good day and welcome to the Save Like Dave podcast, where we are on a mission to help you save and win with your money on almost any income level. Dave retired at 55, traveled the world, and lived abundantly, all while making well under $50,000 a year his entire career. Now it's your turn. Let's take your financial dreams to the next level. On today's episode, Dave is going to share a little bit about the rest of the world. You might be thinking, well, how's the U.S. stack up against other countries? We're going to learn from some of these other countries and see how we compare to others in terms of savings. So Dave, go ahead and get started. Welcome, friends, and thanks for joining me again for another episode. Stick around to the end of this episode, and I'm going to tell you what the U.S. savings rate is. Think about it as well. Try and think, what do you think the U.S. savings rate is? We said the average U.S. household medium income, so husband and wife, or you know, most of the time, two people, $78,500. What percent of that? does the U.S. save? Well, recently I read a story from Vanessa Wachtmeister on her experience living in three foreign countries and what she learned about money in the U.S. She is an American, and so she went overseas. As for example, in the first example, China, she taught there. She shares some interesting points on how much and why they save. She learned how culture influences money habits and that no matter where you are from, you have the same goals and dreams as we in the U.S. do. So one of the places that she lived was in China. Recently, with the expansion of a somewhat capitalist society, and I'll put that in quotes because it's not fully capitalist, the government does control a lot of who can build and what they're going to build and where they're going to build it, for example but they have allowed some parts of capitalism to come into their country. So because of that expansion, the population has begun to break into groups. And I'll just tell you right up front, China's overall savings rate is an astounding 45%. Wow. So that's almost half of everything they earn, everything from their paycheck goes to savings. That's pretty impressive. It is. It's one of the highest ones in the world. and. It's partly because China went from nothing, basically, to starting to allow capitalism to be in the country. And so, guess what? The economy has taken off. It's red hot. And it's had a little bit of ups and downs lately. But because of the expansion of capitalism, it's really generated a lot of income. And and let's just look at it simply. If you bought something in a store today, what are the chances that they made it in China, right? Pretty high. Extremely high. And so what that means is all these people that they went from nothing to making money, it's relatively easy for them to save because they've never had anything. And so now when they have a really good paycheck, it's uh, changing their lives. So 
One thing that uh, I have I did read about China is they kind of have two groups right now. One we might call the uber wealthy or the crazy rich. They are the ones who have started businesses and expanded overseas. Those are the ones that are driving luxury cars and wearing the latest fashions. Capitalism has taken hold in parts of China. Now, on the other side of the coin are the working class that work hard and have moved from more of a country setting to into the city. And they're saving as much as they can so that one day they can move back home to the country where the cost of living is better. And the person that was in China gave me an example of the teachers earning the equivalent of $500 monthly and sharing a dorm room with other teachers when she was teaching ESL there. And she was making $1,500 a month with room and board covered. So I'm going to just add my two cents here. Interestingly, my wife and I actually did something very similar. We went overseas three years ago into China, and we taught English as a second language, probably very similar to what this uh, writer did. However, we did it as volunteers. We paid for our own way, and we were there for a summer and taught English. And what was interesting was the, uh, the students, they just loved having Americans, native English speakers, helping them with their English. Because we were teaching Chinese English teachers, but they were taught by other Chinese English teachers. So they would have um, accents on the wrong syllables, or they just had some phrases wrong. And so by listening to us native English speakers, it helped them tremendously. And that was very rewarding. If that's something that would be interesting to you, I'd encourage you to do it. There's lots of places that will take you on. And like the uh, writer wrote, you can actually get paid for it too. But they're absolutely right. Uh, this. The woman that wrote is absolutely right. The income level is very, very low compared to some of those uber wealthy. But what's interesting is both the wealthy and the working class Chinese are doing a great job with long-term financial planning. They are willing to sacrifice short-term inconveniences to achieve their vision with financial freedom. They are good savers. Yeah, that's really interesting to me as well because we talk a lot about it doesn't matter how much you make, you can save just a little. Yep. But this is a perfect example of the ultra-wealthy who are probably making, let's just say, ten, twenty, thirty thousand $30,000 a month in China. And then you have these teachers who are making a meager 500 a month, and yet they're still managing to save at that high rate. That's incredible. Yeah, it is. And I'll give you an example in the U.S. If some of you have started to look into finance, there's this group called the FIRE movement, Financial Independence Retire early. And you'll read stories about them or they'll have podcasts or YouTube videos and they save 20, 30, 50, 80% of their income. So it can be done if you want to be all out crazy about it and you, you really want to change your life dramatically and quickly, you can do it. What I'm advocating though is to save, start with 10%. That's a goal that everybody can do. You just have to change your thinking and do it. The next country that she worked in was the United Kingdom. The UK is much different than China in many ways, and even though they as a whole make more than China, the cost of living is very high, and getting ahead can be a challenge. The Brits tend to spend much more for housing and basic needs and have a harder time saving for the future. What's happened is they tend to live for today and spend most of what they earn. They have national health care, and they have budget retailers that can soften the blow. But because of the high cost of living, they are very 
or savers, at least in comparison to China. The third country she worked in was Germany, and this country is kind of the best of both worlds. Germany tends to have a high income level and a reasonable cost of living. Housing is much better than other Western European countries, and in general, the population are good savers. On average, they save 10% of their income, while Europe in general and the U.S. save half of that. The U.S. savings rate is just 4.97% of their household income, despite a strong economic position and salary. Americans save less than 5%. Canada is even worse with under 4% savings rate. Yeah, I think it's interesting to kind of compare and contrast those three countries that she lived in. China, it's a lower cost of living and people are saving more. They have more of an emphasis on saving. The United Kingdom, a little bit more expensive to live in and maybe there's not that same emphasis or they're just not saving at that same level, maybe partly because it's expensive to live there. But Germany, it sounds like, is kind of the country with the best of both worlds. They are both very wealthy and make a good living and also saving at over twice as much as the U.S. saves. They're saving at 10%, where the U.S., the savings rate is is a meager 4.97% of their household income. In Germany, their general plan is to delay immediate gratification. And I would absolutely agree that China is the same way. You know, the young people that are coming from the country going into the city to work in the factories, their goal is to save enough money to move back to the country where they can you know, live a better life without being in poverty, basically. A point on that as well, like the last couple episodes that we did, it, it comes down to the discipline and the behavioral techniques that you have that you can say, you know, like Germany or China, that you can delay that immediate gratification. Mm-hmm. Going back to that status and keeping up with the Joneses, right? Yep. Germany says we can delay maybe living a slightly more exciting or more financially well-off life now because I want to live better later. So what are the three points we want the listener to take home with? Sure. Well, the first one is it's not how much you make to determine your savings habits. And you can see that with China. You know, these people where the majority are desperately poor and I was there, I saw it firsthand, but uh, they're really good savers. And I mean, it just tells you something about how they've determined to change their life financially. They see an opening, they see with capitalism, they can get ahead, and they're changing their behavior and determined to be a good saver. The second one is, no matter where you fit in the workforce, to be a high achiever or an entry-level person, you can be successful with your money. The third point of emphasis is, don't let someone or something get you down. As we saw from these three examples, you can win with money. So here's what I want you to do. It doesn't matter where you begin. It's where you finish that matters. Begin your savings plans today and you will win with money. Yeah, it just really comes down to that behavior, that determination, your mindset. The knowledge and the learning that you're getting from this podcast is great, but if you're not behaviorally changing and you're not changing your identity as a saver, you're never going to actually make these changes. And so exactly as Dave was saying, we want you to go ahead and get started today. Whatever that little step is, make that change today. Absolutely. So 
That wraps up today's episode. On the next podcast, Dave is going to share with you four expenses you can cut out right now. That's right. These are four expenses that you can cut out right now from your budget. So Dave, I know you have a piece of scripture you want to share with everyone today. Go ahead and read it. All right. Today's uh, scripture is from the Old Testament, and it's Malachi 3.10. Bring the full amount of your tithes to the temple, so that there will be plenty of food there. Put me to the test, and you will see that I will open the windows of heaven and pour out on you in abundance all kinds of good things.